Hello, hello, and hello, everybody! Welcome back for another episode. If not now, when? In today's show, we are so excited to welcome our speaker Raj Gopi to join us today. Raj is co-founder at Two Twelve, a fintech SaaS platform providing equity management and fund administration solution for founders from all over the world. Raj is very passionate today about supporting founders to build great company by sharing valuable lessons learned from his own experience, as well as the multiple startup that he was part of. Beyond that, during his spare time, Raj also enjoyed driving his motorcycle through the hill country around Austin, Texas. With that, everybody, I am so excited and thank you so much, Raj, for joining us and welcome to the show. Thank you, Ben. Pleasure to be here. Of course. So, tell us how does the journey begin for you?、Um, so, I'm originally from India,、uh, from、uh, a city called Bangalore, which、mm. uh, most of you are familiar with.、Um, so, I did my undergrad、uh, in India. I also did my graduation in India.、Mm. And、um, the the trend in late '90s was uh, uh, U.S. was a destination for uh, pretty much anyone in the IT field.、Mm-hmm. Um, And and that's how I took. So my my dream job coming out of school was getting into IBM,、mm. and、uh, so I got an IBM.、Uh, and、uh, one of the first things they wanted me to do was okay, let's start looking at projects in the U.S. and、mm-hmm. and move those over to India. And and that's how I came on and、uh, and didn't go back、uh, once I came in. <laughs> got got stuck for various reasons. Yeah.、Uh, but、uh, but that's that's really the the, the path、uh, to the U.S. Then what happened? You come to United States. Yep, yep. So just、uh, landed in Raleigh for the first time in North Carolina. So I was there for about、uh, six months. Amazing.、Um, and then、uh, went back to India for a year, and that's、mm-hmm. where I met、uh, my now wife、uh, mm-hmm. Rashmi.、Uh, Beautiful. We we worked at IBM. Together,、mm. uh, and then in、uh, uh, early '99,、mm-hmm. I came back to the U.S. in Austin,、mm-hmm. uh, and from there I just remained in Austin.、Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and briefly, I went to Washington D.C.、Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, with a startup,、mm-hmm. and、uh, and that company got acquired、mm-hmm. uh, by Motorola, which spun off Freescale into Freescale,、mm-hmm. uh, which was headquartered in Austin.、Mm. So I ended up coming back to Austin. So、uh, that's the first startup you were part of. That's correct. Yeah, that is the first startup. I was one、mm-hmm. of the early employees there.、Um, Let's take a moment to say how. How did that happen? At the time, IBM、yep. was your dream company. You finally be part of the amazing corporation. You、yep. have a fancy job title. We got paid well. You travel the world. Why startup at the moment? So I think、uh, what happened there was、uh, I got to a point. I was、uh, with IBM for about five years,、mm-hmm. um, and、uh, I got to do some very interesting projects there.、Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem I kind of found myself in was、uh, I was getting too comfortable. Mm. Uh, and I felt that if I stayed、uh, at IBM for another one more year,、mm-hmm. then it'd be very difficult for me to leave IBM.、Mm. Uh, it just I, I felt that I was、mm-hmm. getting uh, uh, captured uh,、mm. into the IBM comfort zone.、Mm-hmm. Do you want to be uncomfortable? Was it?、Uh, yeah, I think I think to me, like I've always wanted to be outside my comfort zone. Why?、Uh, I think I don't know from from、uh, from bring up. I think at at some point I was always、yeah. okay. This is too comfortable. Something not right. It's too easy. Yeah. So I need to do something else. So it, it something drives me. I don't know what it is. Like it says,、yeah. I always have a constant drive to get into things that are not comfortable.、Mm. Um, so、uh, so before I joined the startup, I、uh, joined Sun Microsystems、mm-hmm. um, because that、uh, gave me the opportunity to work on different projects.、Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, very interesting projects again. I was there for a couple of years, and that's when this startup thing happened. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so one of my neighbors, uh, he uh, basically uh, was relocating to join the startup, mm-hmm. and and that's how mm-hmm. uh, I got connected uh, and and tagged along. So incredible! And how does that startup experience cut up for you? And when do you start think about you want your own business? Oh, so uh, um, so for me, that particular startup was interesting because. Because uh, I saw the speed of execution, like, mm-hmm. it was uh, very result oriented. Mm-hmm. There was no uh, red tapes anywhere, so mm-hmm. it was. Uh, so I joined probably I think sometime in uh, August of uh, that year, two thousand two, mm-hmm. and uh, and we our target was uh, CES uh, Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas in January. So, so wow, we, yeah. So we had like a four month uh, uh, timeline That's to crazy. go build. Stuff from yeah. scratch. Yeah. So, uh, so it was a hardware company. We were building uh, like wireless technology there. Yeah. And uh, and I just saw how that team kind of came together. It was just mm-hmm. uh, myself and uh, a friend of mine, Deepak. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was kind of driving all the hardware requirements, and I was mm-hmm. putting all the software. Mm-hmm. But uh, we were able to tap into like resources that would come in and help mm-hmm. us rapidly prototype uh, pieces. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we got into uh, CES, and and the project worked on the day off CES so it was uh, it was just last minute uh, project and uh, we won the best of CES that year so it was uh, totally wild <laughs> to to see how that worked so to me that experience is just amazing that okay you know what uh, you don't need a lot of resources mm-hmm. uh, if you put mind to it you can actually go capture uh, mm-hmm. uh, the the market so we won two giant customers and that led to the uh, the acquisition, and Motorola mm-hmm. came into the picture, mm-hmm. and Motorola then spun off into uh, cell phone division and uh, mm-hmm. the semiconductor division. Mm. Wow, was it such an eye-opening experience? Oh, it, it was just time? mind-blowing. Yeah, so to me, it was about uh, um, uh, there. There is immediate payout uh, mm-hmm. from the execution. So, mm. yeah, and and uh, I remember uh, this conversation we had with. Uh, so so we were working with Motorola, so we we're putting our chip into. One of the Motorola devices, mm-hmm. mobile mm-hmm. devices, mm-hmm. and uh, and we were working with uh, Motorola, and 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 they wanted to kind of kill that project because they mm-hmm. thought it was too risky, and uh, and we went into this call, and my friend Deepak, uh, the way he communicated with Motorola in terms of okay, hey, these are all the progress uh, we've done, this is the status, and we are just building X Y Z, and we are two weeks away from doing something else. So that basically flipped uh, Motorola saying that, you know what, okay, so it looks like there is a future here. Let's go put more money into this. So to me, it was almost taking a project that was almost dead, uh, bringing it to life, and then winning that uh, mm-hmm. year's uh, uh, best, in, uh, best New Innovation Award. So it, it kind of transpired quite a few feelings in me in terms of, okay, it is like how do you how do you take mm-hmm. a concept and uh, pull in external parties and 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 these are like two different companies but mm-hmm. uh, with with different structures and mm-hmm. get the whole thing to work properly. So to me, it was just uh, uh, that experience was kind of mind blowing. Incredible. So tell us now with inspiration, where do you go next? Uh, so to me, uh, once uh, so I was part of that uh, uh, the Freescale ecosystem for mm-hmm. uh, another seven years. Uh, wow! But uh, I kind of long time. To start uh, yeah, out. yeah. Like so, yeah. From from the moment we got acquired, I kind of uh, remained within uh, the the Freescale ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started uh, getting into operations, and somewhere along the way, I got an MBA from UT Austin. 
but what that uh, let me become was a very good uh, uh, middle manager. So mm-hmm. uh, like I think uh, in, in hindsight, I think MBA doesn't make you a good founder, uh, but it can make you a great middle manager. So you totally appreciate what the upper management wants and what the engineering team wants, especially if you're mm-hmm. engineering background. Mm-hmm. So to me, it was all about uh, translating uh, the business needs mm-hmm. into uh, into what the product needs to be. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, if you ask any engineer, they like to solve complex problems, mm-hmm. okay? But if there's only like $50 uh, uh, that would come out of that effort, uh, whereas if you do something else, you may get a million dollars in the mm-hmm. effort, uh, the engineer would tend to pick that $50 project just because it's much more challenging. Mm. Um, so uh, so that uh, that bridge was kind of, uh, that gap was gonna, I was able to bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but at the same time, like, I quickly grew and started operating a very large uh, uh, organization within Freescale. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I think I have about 80 plus uh, uh, team members working for me worldwide. Incredible. Uh, but it was, yeah, it, was, it was a very operationally intensive job. So, mm-hmm. and I had uh, great managers uh, that uh, kind of guided me, mm-hmm. uh, helped me understand how to allocate resources. And it is a very special skill that uh, I wouldn't have got otherwise. Um, but, uh, but, uh, but it was about seven years and I said, you know what? I just got an MBA. How do I use this? I knew like I wanted to be in the startup uh, world, mm-hmm. but I just didn't know how to start businesses. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what was uh, needed mm-hmm. to make that happen. Um, so that's when, um, the best advice I got uh, was, okay, go join a startup, uh, mm-hmm. early stage company. And, and, uh, one of my friends, uh, Sanjay basically shot me an email. I don't know if it just happened. Uh, so he sent me an email saying that one of his previous, uh, 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 one of the previous companies, the founder of that company was starting a new business mm-hmm. and they were looking for somebody with my type of skills mm-hmm. and, uh, and asked if I was interested. Mm-hmm. So that's how that, uh, com- uh, that interaction came about. Um, so coming from managing 80 people worldwide yeah. jumping to start out, which with a smaller budget. Yeah, it is basically uh, three of us, uh, the two co-founders and myself. Wow. Uh, and uh, we had 150000 uh, uh in in the bank. Yeah. And uh, I just uh, took the jump. <laughs> Are you not scared? Uh, it was, uh, I think my wife was more scared than me. <laughs> Uh, so, but uh, there was promise of uh, mm-hmm. big things happening with that project. It was it was a huge project f- uh, funded by Department of Defense. Oh, that's great! Uh, and both the co-founders were amazing. One uh, mm-hmm. one Brian was just one of the best uh, technologists I've seen in my life, mm-hmm. and Justin was uh, great at starting businesses mm-hmm. and being an evangelist. Uh, so, like both of them taught me quite a bit. Mm. So, uh, but uh, we ran out of cash uh, in three months, uh, and uh, the project that we anticipated would uh, happen kind of took another seven months Ouch. so so we were burning through our savings <laughs> uh, but eventually that big project came through mm-hmm. and things uh, reset and mm-hmm. uh, and once that big investment came in uh, it was not investment it was basically a, 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 a purchase order mm-hmm. uh, so it was really revenue coming in mm-hmm. um, then uh, I was able to go set up the team so I mm-hmm. went back and started bringing in uh, some of my best uh, good friends that I knew were really good mm-hmm. uh, so we started putting that team together mm-hmm. and uh, and we started scaling out making the product much better mm-hmm. so I was part of that company for about uh, five years saw some very interesting things happen mm-hmm. uh, uh, like I worked with uh, uh, Justin with uh, with the fundraising effort that uh, we were part of mm. uh, so I directly got the experience uh, how to go raise capital uh, how to go sell the idea to mm. a company especially when we didn't have any customers so it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a storytelling right so mm-hmm. uh, my current co-founder Dustin uh, has the analogy of uh, stone soup 
Um, so uh, you, you want to sell, you don't have anything to sell, uh, you don't have anything to give, but you just have uh, a bucket uh, or, or a vessel and a stone. So now you want to ask other people, hey, give me some vegetables, give me some meat, give me some water, give me some spices. So you need to kind of sell that vision and then then the soup happens and, and you get to enjoy the soup. So so it was basically that, that process of uh, how you take an idea and start mm -hmm. uh, selling and getting people excited about what mm -hmm. you're building and then raising capital in the process mm -hmm. and growing the team uh, and then mm -hmm. finding customers. So that the entire journey was fascinating to me and I, mm -hmm. I learned quite a bit uh, in the process and we set up huge sales team, marketing team. Mm -hmm. So so things was uh, things were good. Uh, that company eventually got acquired mm -hmm. uh, in 2018 mm -hmm. or 2017. Um, and, and that's when... Um, Crypto was a thing, like the mm -hmm. blockchain projects, uh, that that was kind of kicking off uh, in, a, in a big way. And I was also dabbling with uh, Bitcoin those days, mm -hmm. uh, and I studied the Bitcoin implementation, mm. and uh, and I really understood the power of what this was doing. So so uh, I met uh, Dustin Byington, who's now 212's co-founder. Mm -hmm. um, so he was at one of the Bitcoin conferences, I ran into him, and we spoke, uh, and then he was just getting engaged with another project mm -hmm. uh, that was um, about to launch. Uh, and he wanted uh, an operator who could come help him on the business side. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, so that's how I got in that blockchain uh, world, mm -hmm. and and that project raised, I think, like thirty-five million in thirty seconds. In thirty uh, seconds. In thirty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think. Uh, I think somebody said. I think there's Brad Feld uh, who talks about timing the market. Mm -hmm. uh, like you have horrible product, uh, great market timing, you win. If you have an amazing product and bad market timing, you lose 100%. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. so this was an example of, okay, finding a product at the right time. Mm -hmm. and, and the market just kept bubbling up. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and that project basically went to like $2 billion in uh, market cap in seven months. Wow. So, so we were able to see the entire uh, mm -hmm. ride. And, and between Dustin and I, we spent a lot of time making that happen. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's when we got the idea for 212. Um, so tell us more about 212. So, uh, so the origin of 212 was, uh, Dustin and I started thinking about, hey, why is this crypto bubble happening? Okay, mm -hmm. That was the genesis behind that. And our thesis was liquidity is what uh, drove the uh, crypto bubble. So anyone could buy at any point of time and sell it uh, when the price goes up. Um, so uh, there's a lot of demand for that asset. And we think we were able to sell uh, that that projects uh, uh, that project was able to raise at 35 million because uh, there was a lot of interest because it's a highly liquid asset. Mm -hmm. um, so the thinking was okay. How do we solve that problem for regulated securities? Mm -hmm. So so these are uh, shares in a company that mm -hmm. are regulated by SEC and FINRA. Like how do you make that uh, liquid? Mm -hmm. And in 2017 there was a, a regulation called 4A7 uh, mm -hmm. that came out that allowed for certain conditions in which uh, uh, these securities could be traded. Uh, and uh, and the genesis of 212 was, okay, let's go uh, black box this. So let's go build a product mm -hmm. that uh, makes uh, that regulation 407 uh, become mm -hmm. uh, easily available to the board of directors and mm -hmm. founders. So today what happens, or, or until then, uh, you had an angel investor that would come into a company, but they had to wait like seven years uh, for an exit or mm -hmm. like whenever that exit would happen. Mm -hmm. right? So this was basically giving an off-ramp. So so when the value of the asset goes up, 
the investors can exit the position under certain conditions. Okay, mm. so uh, and uh, it doesn't have to be like a publicly. It doesn't have to be public. It can be in a very in a, in a private setting. So the startup does not have to disclose mm-hmm. information. Uh, uh, in in the public forum, but they mm-hmm. just have to disclose information to the participants, mm-hmm. and there are rules around it. So uh, so two twelve was basically built uh, mm-hmm. to kind of solve that problem, and 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 we build the technology mm-hmm. to make that happen. Um, yeah. And in the process, uh, we took that FINRA licenses, started working with SEC lawyers, uh, and uh, and we found a very interesting problem in the process. So mm-hmm. so let's say you sold your shares and I purchased your shares. Mm-hmm. Now we had to update what is called a cap table uh, mm-hmm. with that information. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, we wanted that uh, the update to cap table to be seamless from mm-hmm. a customer experience standpoint. And uh, what we recognized was that none of the other cap table providers had a interface where we could settle the transaction. Mm-hmm. So, so that was a big problem that uh, we ran into and we started looking more into that space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it turns out there are like 1.5 million founders uh, just in the U.S. Uh, that uh, cannot afford to pay a lot of money for these products. Yeah. So they end up using spreadsheets uh, mm-hmm. to to manage their cap table. And spreadsheets are like um, the uh, the first generation mobile phones. It, it can do some things, but it can't scale beyond that mm-hmm. one uh, one action that it can perform. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so because of which, uh, if uh, if an investor were to come and ask questions like, mm-hmm. "Okay, I'm going to put you uh, put 200k into your company. Um, what's going to happen uh, in the best case, likely case, worst case scenario? What if you do a capital raise a year from now, mm-hmm. another raise two years from now, and you create option pool? So, anyway, these are all the kind of questions that investors want uh, want to know mm-hmm. uh, the answers to before they invest. Mm-hmm. And uh, the problem with uh, spreadsheets is they kind of fail you immediately. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing much you can do with a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. So they end up making mistakes. They start, uh, founders start making assumptions about what might happen. They might go to, go to a lawyer uh, or a CFO uh, and things get become very expensive very mm-hmm. soon, right? And, and early stage companies don't have that kind of uh, luxury. So, uh, so we looked at that space and we saw that, okay, it's a massive market. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's totally underserved. And the only way we can uh, help uh, these founders is if we go automate the process. So how, how do we remove human capital mm-hmm. uh, from uh, helping manage uh, uh, this, this cap table? And, uh, and that uh, basically led us to go spend the next uh, 15 months codifying the whole thing. So mm-hmm. we look at uh, the cap table as a big matrix of mm-hmm. securities, shareholders, price, and time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we build like this many-to-many connection and we program the whole thing. So, so now we are able to, uh, our customers can use our product to build any type of models. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a SaaS solution um, and it costs 20 bucks a month. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and we, we don't cap our customers based on number of shareholders mm-hmm. or capital raised, number of share classes. Mm-hmm. So it's just unlimited access to this product for 20 bucks a month. So that's, wow. that is what we were able to achieve. And despite that, we have a huge margin, uh, mm-hmm. even though it is 20 bucks. We try to give it away for free, uh, and uh, but the founders were not willing to take a free product for different reasons. Uh, it turns out it's very difficult to sell free product. So and that's how we arrived at this twenty bucks, and that seemed to be the clearing price, and um, mm-hmm. and and we have founders using it. And then uh, we again, you can't run a business with just one twenty dollar product. So we have other services that we add uh, to our uh, to our solution, like valuation services, mm-hmm. financial modeling. Um, um, transfer agent services. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we basically bring in a lot of other 
capabilities around equity management. So as a company scales from a pre-seed to seed and series mm-hmm. A, so they'll want different pieces. So it's like a, a la carte. Mm-hmm. They come and they pick whatever makes sense for them. And because uh, we are able to negotiate volume pricing with our mm-hmm. service providers, it still becomes, it's still inexpensive for our customers mm-hmm. uh, to use the platform. So, so that's basically what we've done. And uh, it's been a very interesting journey. A lot of... Uh, Sleepless nights, a um, yeah. lot of uh, night sweats, <laughs> but... Uh, I just going to say, how's that difference between now the... Kind of like a first-time co-founding business solely versus you experiencing a part of different startup experiences. How does that compare? Oh, it's it's very different, right? So um, so even at uh, Hypori, uh, where I was uh, the, the first uh, mm-hmm. uh, employee there... Um, I did have to worry about fundraising. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not directly my responsibility. I wasn't. I didn't have to worry about who we bring in uh, outside of the engineering uh, team, for example, or uh, when we have to meet certain customers or mm-hmm. partners. So, like those were not problems that I had to face, mm-hmm. uh, or even setting a payroll. Like these were like mm-hmm. tactical things I didn't have to worry about. I was just laser focused on the product and yeah. uh, and building the product and getting it out on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this, like everything is dependent on either my co-founder Dustin or I. So we yeah. had to be directly responsible for uh, filing the taxes or uh, getting some paperwork done or whatever it is, right? So yeah. like you just can't let things slip uh, yeah. when you are owning and running the mm-hmm. company. So, uh, and this is what I find with a lot of founders, right? Mm-hmm. So they're kind of laser focused. It's it's a you're juggling multiple balls in mm-hmm. the air, right? And uh, so you have to figure out. Okay, whether you have a company to begin with, uh, then uh, what kind of advisors you bring in, where do you mm-hmm. raise capital, what product are you selling, who are the competitors, uh, how do you identify your market, mm-hmm. what channel strategy, how do you do marketing. So there's, there's mm-hmm. all these different things that uh, that needs to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, the big problem that I find is uh, founders ignore equity in the process. Okay, mm-hmm. because they take equity for granted. Uh, and, uh, and, but I keep telling founders, hey, the biggest, most valuable asset that you have is your equity. Because mm-hmm. uh, what investors, uh, the way investors think is they care for equity. That's a top priority for investors. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they want to see how much equity they'll get for the investment they make mm-hmm. and how that equity grows mm-hmm. and what would be their ROI and IRR. So it, that, that's how they think about. Of course. Uh, but founders put that at the bottom of the list. So that's uh, to me. That's where the 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 conflict comes in, right? So the they're not speaking the investor language. The investors really looking for, mm-hmm. okay, how is equity going up? But tell me the, the your story about your product, your customers, uh, how are you going to scale your market size. So that's all important to mm-hmm. justify their assumption about how that equity is going to go up. Mm-hmm. So. So that's where the, the the tools like 212 basically makes it easy for founders to 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 really pick up on. Mm-hmm. So uh, so the reason I know equity so much is because I build the product and I I'm kind of live and breathe the product uh, every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it's like taking um, some course on um, I don't know cooking, and if you don't really cook every day, like you're gonna miss the yeah. uh, the finesse out of that, right? Yeah. So. So, so uh, what I tell founders is, okay, okay, it's very important. Go build your business and uh, do whatever is needed to make make it successful. Uh, you could get into the equity space and start becoming smart about this, but you may end up ignoring uh, your company in the process. Mm-hmm. So instead, use a tool that will quickly answer all your questions and mm-hmm. 
uh, and, and give you all the information that you need uh, mm-hmm. to successfully raise capital or answer investor questions. So, so it's always tools that you really want the right tool around you, and that's what we try to provide uh, uh, with, with, with 212. Incredible. Wow. What yep. an impactful story. Yep. <laughs> and Raj, you know, I'm so curious. I love, you know, the journey at this point. I think, you know, you are certainly a person that truly having a great heart to not only taking the journey and learning that you have in your own experiences, but now so passionate about, you know, empowering and supporting other founders to yep. do exactly the same. Yep. And I'm curious, in your own experience, what might be the biggest, you know, challenging or mistake that, you know, you overcome so help you become such a leader today? Um, so the biggest challenge, uh, it's... Um, uh, it's like multitasking. You really need to get good at multitasking many things, right? So uh, in my case, um, I have a family. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, I drive my wife crazy all the time because uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, there is, uh, uh, I know that I'm kind of uh, not paying attention to so many important things that need to be taken care of at yeah. home um, because um, I think I mentioned this to so I don't remember. So, so the way I think about this, okay, you have like three buckets, right? Okay. So you have uh, uh, you have the work bucket. Work? Okay. Uh, the second is your ego, whatever is your passion project, or whatever you uh-huh. think uh, that gives you the satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And the third bucket is um, uh, uh, is is your family. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so you have this hundred percent that is taken up by these three mm-hmm. buckets. Mm-hmm. It's up to you how much percentage uh, you allocate for <laughs> each of these buckets. Yeah. So usually uh, you'll see most people give. Uh, like it's not 30, 30, 30, you probably end up taking more for your work and more for your passion. And then it kind of gets in the, you compromise the family mm-hmm. uh, part of that. Mm-hmm. So they are the ones who usually take the hit mm-hmm. uh, when you're focusing on the other pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, so so to, to my, from a, my wife's standpoint, it's like, yeah, I, I do more of that mm-hmm. sidelining the family piece. Mm-hmm. But she comes and corrects me, hey, by the way, you got to watch out for these mm-hmm. things that, okay, you take care of, yeah. My third son's problem or my second, uh, mm-hmm. my daughter, did you drive her? Whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, so she kind of resets me very often and and, yeah. and it's a good thing. So, yeah. so and I try to kind of find that middle ground. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen always. So that's when I hear about it. <laughs> yeah. uh, but now we also have my mother-in-law staying with us. That's a huge help. Uh, wow. So she kind of takes some of the load. But... Yeah, to me, uh, the the biggest challenge was okay. How do you properly multitask this? Mm-hmm. And and that is where uh, I had to mm-hmm. really focus my you know, my effort to make sure I don't drop one ball or the mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. That's I, I definitely hear you. I think all founders are magician in heart. Yeah, and we have not only the work, the family, the passion project, but within work, there are a thousand different packets. Correct. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and just knowing which thing belongs to what bucket and what percentage, I think yeah. at all times. Definitely yeah, and I think the one trick uh, for uh, for me was if you work on a passion project mm-hmm. and that becomes your profession, mm-hmm. then you have a much bigger pie. So you can split the whole thing into oh. two pie, two buckets. So, so to me, startup uh, and that that bucket basically became a work. So now I have sixty six percent technically <laughs> of uh, of what I like to do, and yeah. and it's also work that pays. Yeah. Um, so that's one way to cheat. Uh, that is magical. <laughs> you you put it that way, and I think it's amazing that people who just love what they do and they just happen to get paid for that. Like, yeah, isn't that such a wonder world? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. 
So with that, Raj, I'm curious. Uh, you talk about you know some challenge regarding you know maybe balancing things. If you do it all over again, assuming you had this magic wand, like would you change anything along the journey? I don't think so. Like I think I would.、Uh, I don't think so. I don't. There's nothing to change. So I,、mm-hmm. I'm I'm not at all perfect. I know that for sure. No one is.、So, But I know I'm hundred percent not perfect. Okay, so so to me,、uh, I don't even have that.、Uh, I think I think that imperfection in me.、Mm-hmm. Uh, I want that imperfection in me because that helps me、uh, relate to the problems that、mm-hmm. uh, can happen、mm-hmm. in the future or、uh, that have happened in the past、mm-hmm. that I'm able to learn from it. So、mm-hmm. so to me,、um, uh, I don't want to change anything because、mm-hmm. everything happened for a reason. So.、Um, If it was an option, like I would like to be born now, where there is a lot of access to information,、yeah. which I didn't have growing up,、yeah. uh, so I feel that maybe I wasted the first twenty years of my life.、Uh, I had, had I had more information, I might、yeah. have done something more useful with it. But otherwise,、um, yeah. super happy and content. What would you tell your younger version of yourself?、Um, is、uh, Go start businesses. So, like, like there are so many,、uh, so many problems that need to be solved.、Mm-hmm. Um, IBM is not the uh, mm-hmm. uh, all mm-hmm. for for somebody like me.、Uh, so, talent can be used elsewhere to help mm-hmm. others mm-hmm.、Uh, in whatever capacity.、Mm-hmm. Um, so, the the first project at IBM that I worked on was all the networking piece. So that、mm. this is like. Late '90s, where when internet was primitive,、mm-hmm. so my work was really to kind of empower that piece. So、mm-hmm. implement a lot of the what is called the request for comments.、Mm-hmm. So there are all these standards that that smart people think of, and then、mm-hmm. uh, my job was to take those ideas and make it a reality.、Mm-hmm. So so to me that piece was interesting. So I can tell my kids now, hey, you are using a mobile phone because of some of the work that I did. Oh、so I, I feel good about、uh, yeah. uh, of of having enabled that、uh, yeah. uh, the ability for me to talk to my mom any time of the day, right? So,、Aww. so, so, so that that piece helped,、mm-hmm. but、uh, yeah, definitely, I would tell my younger self, go、mm-hmm. start companies. Yeah, the people need it. What drives you? Um, so、uh, I think it is just the、uh, the idea that when I grew up,、mm-hmm. um, I didn't have access to a lot of information.、Um, uh, if I wanted to read anything, it was、uh, three、uh, mile hike to、uh, a library,、mm-hmm. and these are like ancient books.、Um, Uh, so to me, it was like dude, such a primitive uh, uh, life that I lived. I understand. Uh, and uh, anyone uh, commuting from、uh, from my hometown in Bangalore to North India, anywhere like、mm-hmm. it was like a five day journey by train. So、mm-hmm. it was it, it, the infrastructure was not there. It was just、mm-hmm. things were beginning to happen.、Um, so it was a drive to say, hey, okay, we got to make things better.、Mm-hmm. Um, so I was looking to see, hey, is、mm-hmm. there any small contribution I can、uh, mm-hmm. make to to kind of solve those kind of problems?、Mm-hmm. So I think that was a constant drive for me. Even even today, like I see, okay, there are a lot of founders,、mm-hmm. great ideas. Uh, but uh, either their execution is flawed, or they don't put the right advisors around them, or they're not going after the right market, or they come with some crazy ideas that probably is never going to、uh, work.、Um, so, like, I usually end up talking to them and, and telling, "Hey, have you thought about these five different scenarios?"、Um, Maybe all these ideas will become a, uh, big, but right now I can think of like fifty objections for some of these ideas. So, so rather than them spending the next three years. 
learning that okay this idea won't fly like have them at least think through okay mm-hmm. with these objections so th- those are the kind of uh, uh ways that i try to contribute so going to speed mm-hmm. up the process like uh, like i think the statistics is about 95% of startups fail yeah it doesn't have to be that and uh, most of the startups fail because they run out of capital or they took too long to get to the market or uh, they didn't have the right team members mm-hmm. so they're like uh, they're fundamentally uh, flawed situations some of them you just cannot help mm-hmm. uh, but there are others that uh, can be resolved so mm-hmm. if you look at i think there are a lot of stories about even airbnb struggling to raise their 150k uh, because people didn't believe in it and uh, and Brian Chesky writes a nice uh, blog article about how i think about 10 or 15 vcs didn't want to put 150k for i think it was 10% of the company so mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So uh but but somebody believed in that crazy idea that mm-hmm. okay people will be willing to uh, put their house up uh, for strangers mm-hmm. to live in and and that's how that uh, became a thing, right? Mm-hmm. So um so it's it's all about crazy ideas uh how do you how do you make that a reality and mm-hmm. and and make it but there are some that are totally outright crazy. So mm-hmm. uh so those you can put out your objections and see if they're able to answer these questions so uh, so one example is uh, so there was this founder who's been working on his idea for about 2 years it was in the blockchain space he spent 2 years thinking about it put a team together raised capital and then uh, i met him at one of the pitch competition that i was judging and i asked him uh, one question and he had never heard that objection before mm. and uh, and it kind of took him aback and he started pondering about what he did for the last 2 years uh with uh, with that problem that is to me it was very obvious i was really shocked that he went mm-hmm. two years without anybody asking about it so i don't know what happened to the company but that idea would never have mm-hmm. uh, worked so uh again those are examples where they haven't thought through all these different scenarios and there are companies out there uh, so that, what are the top say one or two or three things that founders should think about or think through before they go out to execute the idea Um so one is um, uh, would people buy into that product right so mm-hmm. why combinator has a stacks uh, the tagline is build something people will people want people buy one of those things uh, so so really you want end customers who are willing to pay for that mm-hmm. product mm-hmm. um to me that is an end state okay mm-hmm. which is a, it's it's a very factual statement uh, what uh, why combinator makes mm-hmm. but if you ask a founder that is coming up with this idea to sell cookies uh, through i don't know their mobile app or whatever right mm-hmm. they don't know if end people end user will want right so they they still don't know that so they haven't got to the point where they know it is a business yet mm-hmm. um so uh so from from that context yc tagline uh, is the end state it's not the beginning state mm-hmm. so in the beginning state it's all about okay build your product and get it on the market like uh, there's a lot of founders they are they wait for to put the product in the market they wait to they're kind of hesitant uh, whether somebody will steal the idea or mm-hmm. uh, whether that whether the customers will bar for that idea so mm-hmm. so they're kind of afraid to put stuff in the market so mm-hmm. even at 212 for example when we launched our product in january we didn't have support for options so founders could not give out stock options uh, we didn't care mm-hmm. so we the very first version that was functional we put it on the market we mm-hmm. had customers paying for it mm-hmm. we had one of the customers come in and say hey how do i do this option thing <laughs> and he say give us two days and uh, and we quickly build the uh, feature in two days and then push it out right so and and it's it's like that get it on the market see uh, what customers say and you got to iterate that so mm-hmm. so to me it's all about that okay get it on the hands of your potential customers 
uh, see if they pay for it uh, mm-hmm. and then find out uh, what what is missing and then go build it uh, just but at the same time make sure that uh, you you don't want to be pigeonholed by one customer who demands 50 things that only they care for so there there are a few tactics uh, that mm-hmm. uh, need to be taken into consideration but mm-hmm. that's where i would uh, encourage founders to go find the right advisors around them mm-hmm. so the team is important you know it doesn't have to be just a co-founder but uh, if you like in our case we didn't know a lot of marketing aspects mm-hmm. so we found the right advisor uh, to help us and uh, um, and he was super excited about what we're building that he even invested in us wow. so now he came on full full time to help us uh, take us to the next step so it's just finding so the right easy. people around you so yeah. so um so to me it's all about that okay mm-hmm. go have the right team in place uh, identify Uh, again you need to have insights about the problem mm-hmm. so uh, let's say i would be a bad fit to go find a problem uh, for and and solve a problem for lawyers because mm-hmm. i don't know that space mm-hmm. i don't have any insight that uh, makes it interesting for me to solve a legal problem right so uh, so i wouldn't get in that space but uh, let's say there's a founder who's who's a lawyer or paralegal who really understands the space and they found very some interesting niche mm-hmm. uh then they should 100% go solve a problem mm-hmm. for that uh, for that market so that having that founder insight is very important and then finding the market and getting the customer finding the channel to go reach your customers so mm-hmm. so there are like a multiple pieces of the puzzle mm-hmm. that needs to be put in place but if you, if, you, if uh, the founders don't know go find the advisors who can mm-hmm. help them there and quantify yeah So Raj I'm curious what do you think is your superpower because you build one business in another and another and today you you see so many business come and go in front yep. of you and yep. I wonder for you what do you think is your secret sauce for your success today I think it is uh, the ability to kind of take some abstract ideas mm-hmm. and and explain it in a very easy to understand terms I think I think that is my unique superpower like mm. among Uh, if somebody asked me that because i can um, um so a good example is uh, so i was talking uh, like i think just last last weekend my my 18 year old daughter and my 12 year old son i need to mention the names arjun is my 12 year old son and aditi is my 18 year old daughter um so we were driving to uh, uh, to lampasas uh, it was like an hour and a half drive so i started asking them about uh, hey Do you guys know what uh, what it means by US has a 30 trillion deficit? Uh-huh. Um and 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 they're like I don't know, I don't know what this means. <laughs> so it took me about 15 minutes to kind of explain uh mm-hmm. that situation to them and and they're like this is mind blowing. How why why is government <laughs> taking uh, allowing so much debt to be mm-hmm. uh, uh burden on the future generation? So they were able to come to that conclusion really quick. Mm-hmm. So so to me I think it is about okay how do you take a very complex problem and mm-hmm. then dumb it down so mm-hmm. anybody can understand. I think that that's mm. uh, I I a process uh data pretty good that way and I'm able to articulate that in a in a mm. very simple matter I, i think i think i think i think that those are my <laughs> that's my only skill i think you have many many others <laughs> but i definitely agree with you okay. uh quote from alpha einstein said if we cannot explain things simply yep. we simply don't understand exactly, it exactly yeah and exactly. i could not agree with you enough that yeah. 
you know, oftentimes it takes a founder or uh, entrepreneurs, you know, it's really their responsibility to articulate that vision okay. and give that investor, give customer that pitch, that vision. Yep. So then everyone else can get a chance to say yes. Yep. And and it happens to me all the time when uh, when I have some partners ask me, okay, how do you do this? Mm-hmm. And I may not know that. So I have to, I'll go find out, uh, mm-hmm. okay, how is this done? What are the complexities? And then I try to internalize that and make it easy. Uh, and once I internalize this, then it's very easy for me to articulate, mm. uh, articulate to anybody. And I just just a technique that I, I don't know. Maybe I developed that over several years, but but I think I think I I, I do pretty good uh, uh, in in that aspect. I wonder what do you think? What do you define success? And with that, Raj, do you think you are successful today? I don't think so. I don't think I'm successful yet. Um, What's your definition? So to me, success is um, uh, the ability to influence uh, others, not not just uh, being egotistical so, uh, about yourself, but how do you help others see the vision and uh, and and help them uh, in their um, KPI for success. Mm-hmm. So. It's a process. Uh, at least that that's that is success in my uh, in in my language. Um, so that also means okay, am I doing right by my family? Am I doing right by my colleagues, my customers, my partners? So it's getting there. Uh, I'm not there yet. Uh, I still feel that okay, there's a massive gap that I need to still close on. I'm working towards it, uh, mm-hmm. but. To me, yeah, I need to get. I don't think I'll ever achieve success in my mind, but there might be points of uh, uh, of hitting certain benchmark, feeling great about myself, and then okay, so you didn't do the other hundred things, and I. So it's, it's just a constant drive to go hit certain mm. benchmarks. So to me, to me, that's that's how I think about it. It's, it's super abstract. Uh, yeah. I haven't thought about this more than what I just described. You remind me of what Steve Jobs said. Yeah. Stay hungry, stay humble. Ah. And that's you. Okay. <laughs> all, right, so, all right. Thank you. Raj, if, you know, one day we all be long gone on this planet, yep. what do you want you, Greystone, say about you? Could be a word, could be a sentences. How does the world remember you by? Um, he did good. <laughs> mm. <laughs> or he tried mm. <laughs> he tried to do good so maybe one of those things yeah, yeah. that's amazing yep yep, yep. I want to say she lived oh really okay. I want to lift to see it all see the mountains see the rivers see the cities see, see all the amazing what is up everything's down everything between yep. all in above yep. and I think having experience for me seeing the journey seeing the process yep. meeting incredible people and just creating hopefully massive impact in our own right yep that's how it defines yeah I think I think uh, so if you look at it everything is a cycle right Mm -hmm. so I'm sure you experience this so there is Mm -hmm. up and down always like it's non-stop and it's just the amplitude might be different but there's always up Mm -hmm. and down Mm -hmm. so so being able to kind of experience that up and down and up Mm -hmm. and down so uh it takes a toll uh, eventually Mm -hmm. like okay so you know that when you're high okay you know what there's a down, man. There's a down that's going to happen. And when you hit a down, you feel good. That, okay, you know what? There's an upcoming, so hold on. So it's uh, it's interesting to me. Uh, so Talking about up and down, what drive you to go actual height? 
I don't know, five, seven days up and down physically? Oh, the, the hike? Yes, tell us more about that. So um, I was always passionate. Okay, so uh, uh, like uh, in end of May uh, mm-hmm. this year, 2022, like uh, I took my oldest son, Surya, and uh, Aditi, my daughter. So the three of us decided to go on a hike to the Everest base camp. Um, so wow. this was something that... <laughs> I'd planned maybe a couple of years back before COVID yeah. uh, uh, with uh, my my cousin uh, uh-huh. or my co-brother, actually. So so mm-hmm. he lives in Boston. So he and I, we had planned for it. Uh, but something happened that I could not travel. Um, mm. So And then COVID happened. Mm-hmm. So we just couldn't do it. Uh, but to me, it was all about... Um, there's this huge mountain called Mount Everest. Everybody has heard about it, but uh, it's a shame that... Uh, if if I don't get to see it in in some capacity, uh, coming from India, like it's it's, it's only few hours away mm-hmm. from from where I lived. So that that was a thought process, and I spent a lot of time researching uh, uh, the hike to Everest. So I was super pumped about it. Um, so at the end of May, like a couple of months back, uh, so the three of us uh, landed in Kathmandu, took a flight to Lukla, and then started hiking from there. Um, it was painful. I, to say the least. Uh, so so we hiked, uh, uh, we had kind of anticipated the monsoon to come in uh, towards the middle of June. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and because that's what has happened in the last three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we gave ourselves this tiny window of uh, the first week of June to make that hike. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and for me, it was all about uh, timing with my daughter's uh, school, my yeah. son's school and college applications or whatever right so yeah. like it had to kind of fit certain criteria for us um so so we we uh, we we made that trip uh, we started hiking so we did uh, the hike to halfway like we were about 15 miles mm. or 15 kilometers from uh, mount everest so we saw the mountain it is massive which is mind blowing and the monsoon kicked in uh, so it it came in uh, two weeks sooner than anticipated oh. so so we were just drenched <laughs> Uh, we were just walking in darkness, is uh, walking through clouds, and it is it's a scary place because mm-hmm. you're just walking along the edge, uses a cliff, and the uh. Uh, and the and the other side is a big drop. So um, why so, you do it, Raj? <laughs> it uh, it's an experience. I think I I, I encourage anyone to try it. I yeah. think uh, in hindsight, maybe end of November is a good time to go. Yeah. Uh, uh, August, September is a great time, but mm-hmm. it's usually very crowded. Uh, but end of May is something that I want to wing it uh, mm-hmm. to see if uh, that would happen. But it was a great experience. Uh, uh, it was a good bonding time with my yeah. daughter and son. Um, uh, they did amazing. Uh, I think Incredible. I learned quite a bit in the process. What did uh, you as learn? Well. The biggest takeaway? To me, it was... Um, uh, so every time you're hiking, so so we were hiking through clouds. Okay, mm-hmm. So I couldn't see like two feet in front mm-hmm. of me. Right? It was mm-hmm. it was that uh, thick. And uh, and we had our headlamps. This is at twelve in the afternoon. So mm-hmm. it was it was that uh, it was that messy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and every time mean, we had like about fifteen to twenty pounds uh, mm-hmm. in our backpack, and, right. and and there's less oxygen. So uh, so we just kind of trying to get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and it kind of uh, related to how a startup experience is, right? Mm-hmm. So you are like a core team uh, that is just trying to climb this big mountain. Yeah. You barely have any oxygen uh, and, and you're always <laughs> kind of stopping to kind of take a gr- quick breath and then yeah. uh, keep heading to your destination. 
So to me, um, uh, my son uh, Surya, he did an amazing job of downloading all the maps and mm-hmm. uh, whatever was needed to to tell us our mm-hmm. geolocation. Um, so so for me, it was all about, uh, dude, uh, how much more? Like, uh, how many more switchbacks do we have to uh, mm-hmm. go past? And and he would tell us, okay, you got to go another. Mm-hmm. Uh, 15 switchbacks here and mm-hmm. then there is uh, three mile three kilometers down this way whatever so he had information for us in real time mm-hmm. and uh, and that's it so we were able to use that and then focus on our hike right yeah. so so to me I was thinking about hey this is really what founders do they're they're constantly trying to climb this big mountain mm-hmm. uh, they're stopping for quick breaths but they need this information real handy mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so what are the information and we think 212 as one of that uh, the tools that the founders would ask hey okay what is this answer and we give mm-hmm. the answer okay now that answer is there now they can keep moving without spending mm. time to uh, to kind of find these answers so so for me it was very uh, interesting uh, <laughs> i think you like to conquer um, the fair to say i feel like you always someone i i can I imagine you're someone who always loved to set goals, whether it's growing up, want to go to IBM or one step up to another, setting bigger and bigger goals. Yep. I feel like what drive you is truly having that, um, not ambitious, run away, was it almost like inspiration to to acquire next big goals, to serve in a bigger way. Yep. That is what... Is I, I think so too, yeah. Like, uh, so... Um, so to me, the the next uh, venture for me will be in the education side. I know mm. that for sure. Uh, even uh, uh, I, I know there are a lot of remote villages in India, for example, or uh, or, or even in way. Nepal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are all these kids out there who really don't know the world outside of mm-hmm. where they are. And mm-hmm. you you have told me your uh, uh, your childhood as well, where you had Little certain town in China. Exactly. And 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 that was your world, and then until you bailed on that uh, location, you didn't know that there was a bigger. Clarify, I did not bail my location. Okay, China's still in my okay, heart. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I yes, yeah, yeah. Did I, not I, bail. I, I just see go to see a little bit bigger world. Perfect, perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but you saw that the opportunity was massive once yes, once you left yes, that yes. Uh, zone. So to me, it's it's very similar, right? So there are all these um, uh, kids, children out mm-hmm. there. They don't know what they don't know, mm-hmm. and uh, and showing them uh, uh, that there are these are all the possibilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can it can do like big things uh, for, uh, for 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 whatever that population is. I would love to collaborate because oh, sure. in my heart, I always see or in my vision board, I always see that opportunity where you know enable, inspire next generation. Because I really believe that education is power. Yep. and. I am someone that you know, very one of a very very few from my village had a chance to venture the world, yep. and I know in my heart, in my soul, that a mountain girl never meant to come this far. But the fact that I did, I need to come back now, serve in the big world. So love to collaborate, see what that might look like. Oh, sounds good. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I think I think I think it's uh, it's a definite social impact there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, I know there are so many organizations out there that that are kind of working towards it. Um, so, um, so maybe uh, uh, maybe their perspective is different. I can come up with a different perspective. So I think there's I think so there's many always, possibilities. That's correct. Yep. Yep. So Raj, I want to ask you, what does American dream mean for you? You come a long <laughs> way, just like me. So therefore, I wonder. Right, so that you create amazing success in, in America, one after yep. another. Yep. What does American dream means for you? So I think uh, 
America is just an amazing place. Mm. Okay, uh, it it there is so much infrastructure that's available for anyone to start business. Mm-hmm. It's uh, uh, I, I know like India is now very different, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, when I was growing up, that was not uh, that was not a possibility in India. Like it mm-hmm. was very difficult to start businesses. It was very difficult to raise capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very difficult to uh, recruit talent um, mm-hmm. uh, that would fit within your budget. So mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of constraints. Uh, uh, me growing up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so coming to US really told me that. Uh, uh, if you want to go build business, go build business. Uh, mm-hmm. And and th- these are all the infrastructure that's out there. These are all the people who are willing to support your mm-hmm. uh, cause. Um, so to me, that was the biggest uh, learning from from mm-hmm. the American way is mm-hmm. go make stuff happen, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. and 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 be successful in uh, what you do. And mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of support structure that's already put in place to mm-hmm. to make that. Uh, vision happened so Amazing. to me to me that was just mind-blowing never seen that mm-hmm. uh, in india but things are changing uh, in india but mm-hmm. uh, but to me that was uh, the, coming into the u.s mm-hmm. that was a driver for me beautiful my last question for you raj is you know you are today conquer one obstacle after another and living your american dream still today uh, what would you advise to share with our fellow entrepreneurs who may be uh, still in the process, yep. still taking the oxygen as he or she walking on the mountain? What would you tell her or him? Um, so uh, um, it's 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 a lonely battle, right? Mm-hmm. There, there are so many founders out there that are going through this process. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Y Combinator because they're the first mm-hmm. accelerator that came to uh, being they brought in experienced founders to help mm-hmm. other founders uh, uh, to to be successful. Mm-hmm. So um, it doesn't. Uh, so my advice is okay. It doesn't have to be lonely. Mm-hmm. There, there is a support system out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, start reaching out to them. Find them in meetups. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, go to different events. Mm-hmm. Start talking. There are a lot of people out there that mm-hmm. want to help. That have gone through the process themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, Made a lot of mistakes, mm-hmm. um, have, uh, uh, have have basically done more bad things uh, that uh, that in hindsight they mm-hmm. would have hoped that somebody would have given the right guidance. So there are yeah. these mentors out there that are sitting in the sideline, yeah. willing to give their time. So use that, mm-hmm. uh, use that resource. Mm-hmm. It's it's very easy now to to get that kind of help, especially with internet uh, mm-hmm. being readily available. Mm. Um, so it's uh, but by the end of the day go build businesses mm-hmm. so I keep telling my kids you gotta go build businesses so what do they say they're not sure <laughs> <laughs> hey they are so young I know they just conquered a big goal I know I know but uh, but yeah I think I think I think anyone should go start business uh, it's uh, or help others mm-hmm. build uh, businesses I couldn't agree with you more I think I often had to say Entrepreneur is such a spiritual journey. Yep. When you're on the path, it's just you and the universe. Yep. And you're right. It does not need to be alone. Yep. And I tell people, people say Asian are good at math. The math that I like to do is one plus one equals three. Uh-huh. When we really come together authentically with my uh, full passion and your full passion, one plus one not equals three. Oh, yeah. So you are alone in your journey, but you don't need to be alone. There are so many another amazing, like-minded founder, uh, mentor, advisors along with there can always support you and one plus one equals three, and we can all rise up together. Super. 
Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Raj, for joining here today to share your journey. I am so inspired. And <laughs> truly, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much.、Uh, pleasure being here. Thank you. Of course. <laughs> and thank you, everybody, for joining today. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I do. And I cannot wait to see you all next week. Bye, guys. <laughs>